and welcome to The Worst Bestsellers, where we read about how men need to be banned so you don't have to. I'm Renata. And I'm Kate. And for this episode, we read The Diary of an Oxygen Thief by Anonymous. Joining us to discuss this fucking misogynistic garbage fire is KL, writer and misandrist. Welcome. Hello. Hi. (laughs) So glad to be here. Definitely needed a platform for these days. (laughs) Kale's our friend, so she had to come on when we asked her to. And maybe she'll still be our friend after having read this book. Who knows? The next time I'm on the podcast, I want to read something fun. (laughs) Oh, you didn't think this was fun? I mean, there's certain values of the word fun. No values of the word fun. No, that this was not fun. Yeah. yeah, there's a couple things I want to say off the top. One is, this is a legitimate bestseller that I had never heard of until I, like, randomly saw it on a bestseller display at, actually, Trident Booksellers, where we did our live uh, live show. They are a great place that also sells this fucking book. And it is a legitimate bestseller, somehow, and it is by Literally Anonymous, who is a Dutch man who created this for reasons <laughs> beyond all of us, really. I mean, really, like, he should just get a Tumblr like the rest of us if he needs to air his feelings in this way. Yes. Um, and then before we get distracted too much further, we just want to start with, like, infinity content warnings for, uh, like, sexual assault, emotional abuse, uh, alcoholism, drug use, Physical violence. Abuse. Like, everything that's terrible is in this book, and we're going to be talking about it and then reading some excerpts of it, and it's very disgusting, and if you are not in a good place to listen to that, maybe skip this episode. I mean, we're obviously not in favor of this, but we're going to be talking about it. Yeah, also, uh, suicide and self Oh, shit, yeah. Uh-huh. Like, basically, if you, if there is any shitty thing that you are triggered by, probably don't listen to this, because I am sure we are forgetting things. Oh, child is, abuse, briefly in yes, this? child abuse, child sexual abuse. Like, it is, it is garbage. It is pure garbage, and it was, is so garbagey that we are literally having trouble remembering all of the horrible things that happen in it. It's not even that long. It's not. It's like 200 pages. Yeah. Anyway, so y- just putting that out there, there's a lot in this book, content-wise, that could be triggering or upsetting. So keep that in mind, I guess. Okay, so this book is about an anonymous narrator. Okay, also, the cover copy of this book calls it, like, a mix between Holden Caulfield and Lolita, and I feel like that's Uh, wrong on every level. I have so many, like, my main issue with this is that this man does not understand the text of Lolita, which I feel like, like, in popular culture, there's a great misunderstanding of the text of Lolita because of the Kubert film, so you get, like, the red glasses and the you know, sort of phallic lollipop or straw or whatever in the episode of Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... Uh, as a stand-in for a temptress, for a young girl who's trying to snare an older man. But that's not what Lolita is about. Lolita's literally about a 12-year-old girl who's, like, raped for three years. Uh, and the text of that book 
is intriguing. Like, he's trying to convince you that it's not his fault and that he couldn't give in to this. The text of this book is very taunting. And, like, does not play into Lolita in any way, shape, or form, as far as I can tell, except that he saw a poster one time and was like, ah, that's it. Yeah, well, because... Uh, I mean, now we're skipping ahead, but who cares? Like, the main girl in this that he's obsessed with, he's very obsessed with how young she looks. And she looks like she's 16, so she doesn't, like... She just doesn't look like a child. She looks like a teenager. And then she's not, she's like 27, but he's like very turned on by how young she looks and also how she looks like the Virgin Mary. Like a young Virgin Mary is this guy's ideal, I guess. (laughs) He just, it's just, he, taunting is a good way to, he is proud that he does these things. He tries to frame it in, I did all these bad things back in the day And I, you know, I'm not like that anymore, except now I'm going to detail all of them to you gleefully before moving on to how, like, I quote unquote got my comeuppance, which, spoiler alert, what happens to him is not nearly as bad as what he does to other people. And so this was published in 2006, and then it, I guess, has been slowly, for some reason, spreading by word of mouth to the point where it is a legit bestseller. But I feel like if this had been written more recently, every other line would be like, oh, I'm sorry, snowflakes, does this trigger you? <laughs> like, yeah. he didn't yet have that vocabulary, but that's very what this is. Like, the thing that bothers me most about this book is that he tries to frame it, and so, like, he's very combative with the reader, and will frequently say things like, oh, well, if this book doesn't make it, it's your fault, or if this book does make it, it's your fault, like, you enjoy reading these terrible things, how do you feel about that? Uh, which I feel is like a for like an extension of the gaslighting he does to the women in the book. Like he is such an abusive shithead. He can't even write a memoir without being an abusive shithead. Like congratulations on your brand, bro. But <laughs> <laughs> he just I guess I guess we should I guess we should get into the actual story and then afterwards, such as it is, it is not much of a story. We'll continue to tear this horrible man apart because he deserves it. The book opens with him flat out being like, I liked, her, I liked to hurt women, and he explains, it's told in the first person, and we never know his name, that back in the day when he was an alcoholic, he got off on not hitting women, although he did do that once, but on emotionally manipulating and hurting women and forming relationships with them only to tear them apart and leave them like crying and broken and you know he like definitely like totally got off on it and it starts when he does that to a woman he's in love with that has been dating for four and a half years and he just decides one night that he's going to end their relationship by telling her all of these awful things about her physically and emotionally about things that he did to her about how he doesn't like he's not attracted to her just pouring out in my favorite thing he tells her is that he is so much smarter than her and he's so tired of acting like he's stupid enough to be with her yeah i like i i have a friend who has a literal ex who was like that all the time and like in my experience people who have to tell you how clever they are are not actually very clever Mm -mm. um but also like that is an extension of him trying to build up something for him to hate. He says in the book that a woman, 
hurt a woman, a woman hurt him, so he's going to hurt women. And I'm like, but you admit in the book that she didn't do anything to you, and the people that you mentioned hurting you in your past are men. So you, like, there's no sort of cause and effect here. Like, you have just decided to make women your target. Uh, which, you know, good job, buddy. You and another, you know, million men in this country or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> like, the solid first half of this book is him going over all of these women who he hurt. And just saying, like, you know, there was the woman who was a virgin and Ugh. who, like, trigger content warning for rape. Who, she was a virgin, but she talked about how she was afraid to be a virgin on her wedding night. So, like, we had dinner, and I slept on the couch, and I woke up and snuck into her bed, and she she said she didn't want it, but she wasn't really resisting, and I think she was, like, real happy anyway. And, mm-hmm. and he has another woman call him and tell him that he raped her, which, uh, kudos to that woman, like, <laughs> as a sexual, like, person who's been sexually assaulted, I have never voiced it that way to the person, because... I feel like that person knows and doesn't care, like, they did that on purpose. But, like, and he goes, oh, you know, like, maybe she decided afterwards that, you know, she didn't want it and it's fine, but I could see her making memories of it while we were doing it. I'm like, that's not how sex works. Oh, my God. (laughs) But also, that's not how relationships work. And it's one of those things where um, he gets to a point in the narrative where he decides that, well, one woman he just wanted to hurt because, what, she had hair on her her bottom? Like... Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, some people have hair, some people have don't. People have very hair in different ways. But women are also mammals, bros. Yeah. Like... That's- but then <laughs> later, like, one of the things... I don't even know how to talk about this book in a linear way because it doesn't really have a narrative. It's just him sort of, like, dumping out, like, shocking vignettes or whatever. But, like... Um, what's her name? Ashling? Is that how you pronounce that name? I don't know. It's spelled like A-I-Y-S-L-I-N-G. I think it's like Ashling. Or Ash. Anyway, she is the woman who hurts him and like gives him his comeuppance. And one of the things she does that like really like blows up his spot is like out in public, like she brushes off his shoulders and I thought she meant he had dandruff. But he, like, is shocked because he has hairy shoulders and she was, like, revealing that to everyone. I was like, that's not even, like, how normal people would interpret that gesture. And then, like, having hairy shoulders is, like, not that big of a deal for a, especially for a dude. Like, you kind of expect a dude to be hairy in, like, most, most of his general area. I don't know. Oh, my God. There's just, there's another, and I'm just. Keep thinking about all the yeah, women yeah. who tortured. There's a woman who he got with who had a young son who had gotten out of a relationship that was abusive, and he thought that she would kill herself if he treated her badly enough, and decided that was now his goal, was to treat her so badly that she would kill herself, and like did like a concentrated attack to try and make this happen, which tragically backfired on him. And she did not end up killing herself, but ended up being pretty okay. And then he was mad because she started calling him and seeing to see how he was doing and always sounded happy on the phone. Mm-hmm. And how dare she and not kill herself like he wanted her to. What other notable women <laughs> did he torture? I feel like these are like the main ones. Yeah. So, oh, and he's Irish. 
And then he moves to London. I feel like most of the string of, like, women that he abused is in London. And then he gets sober and joins AA. And then he gets transferred to what is clearly St. Paul, Minnesota, but he calls it St. LaCroix. And he anonymizes also, like, he does advertising and he does advertising for, and it's clearly for BMW. Yeah. yeah. He calls it, what, like, BNV? Yeah. So I don't know why those two things he chose. Like, St. Paul is not going to sue you for writing about them. <laughs> for having a bad time in yeah. a beautiful city. <laughs> yeah. But so he moves to St. LaCroix and he's sober and he buys a house and he kind of is like, maybe I'll, like, settle down. But he hates it, and it's so boring, and he but hates he, it. he also, like, it's also, like, a long con for him, because he, like, purposely, even when he gets there, he's like, I'll do this for, like, a year, and it'll look really good on my resume, and then I'll go back to London, back to, like, where my family is, and where I want to be, and out of this hellhole, and it'll look really good that I was here, and no one will, like, call them to check up on me, because they're in America, and they don't care. And he tricks them into thinking he's ready to settle down by saying, like, oh, yeah, like, looking into buying a house. And, yeah, I want to get married soon. And, like, saying all of these things to make his bosses think he's looking for something for the long haul. And the entire time, he just wants to pad his resume in America for a little while for reasons beyond my comprehension. And, well, he he does buy the house. And at first he's excited to own a house. But then he hates the house. And he's also saying, like, he's swearing off women because of of AA and, like, whatever. But then he's, he talks about how, like, hot the women in AA are. And also... I mean, he just continues being disgusting. How yeah. crazy they are. Like, he won't, he won't sleep with anyone, any women, because he, like, is off them because he knows how badly he treated them or whatever. He, he, he tries to set this up as it's his, like, redemption, like oh, I used to do all of those terrible things, but now that I'm sober, I'm better. So, like, I'm not getting with women because, like, I know that I hurt them. So instead, like, I'm just going to ogle women all the time and masturbate a lot and talk about it in detail. Yeah, he clearly still has the impulses that were bred into him by whatever went on. You know, like, like my, my main issue with the book is his thesis of hurt people, hurt people. And, like... Hurt people are careless, and hurt people are selfish sometimes, and hurt people are a lot of things. Hurt people, in general, do not go out and, like, perniciously attack other human beings for the fun of it. That is not what being hurt is. That's what being a sociopath is. <laughs> but he also, not to downplay what happened to him, except that he downplays yeah, it. Yeah, he does. He makes one reference on one page to the fact that he was groped by one of the people at his, one of the, um, the priests priests at his parochial school and just groped. I mean, not that, not that being groped is not assault because it is, but he is very cavalier about it, about like, oh, like it happened a couple times and then like it didn't happen anymore. And like, I know he was fucking other kids, but he never did that to me. And then like it stopped and whatever. I moved on with my life. Literally never mentions it again. And never even really, except for that one time, tries to use it as the framing for why he's bad. Mm-hmm. The other, like, traumatic incident he brings up is when he is a child, he is, like, bothering his dad, and he tells his dad, 
you know, if you don't, like, do something, then I'll never talk to you again. And his dad looked at him and said, I don't care. And he and he knew that his dad really meant it, and he knew his dad didn't care about him at all. I don't... Here's the thing. Is that, like, bad things happen to people, but you still wake up in the morning and decide who you're going to be? Like, sexual assault is sexual assault. He should not have been groped by a priest. No, no. one should be groped no. by anyone, not alone a priest, to somebody who they trust. But the way he talks about it, and the way he talks about other things that happen in a way that is sort of like, here is what I want you to think about this. Like, there's no part of this text, even though he claims that it's sort of a laying out of what happened, um, there's no part of this text that invites you to engage with it, or invites you to understand it, or actually has a satisfying narrative, which is my big problem with it. Like... I don't want neat endings. I don't need happy endings. Like, that's not a thing that's ever bothered me in a book. But you can't promise me something and then not pay off on it in the end, Mm -hmm. which is what he does. And he spends the entire time sort of blaming the reader for how this is not going to pay off. And I'm like, this is not even how you write books. I can't, like, yeah, you're a shithead. There are a lot of shitheads. Look, I've dated some of them. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But you're a terrible writer. Why are people buying this? I don't know. So he, his father dies while he's in fake St. Paul, St. LaCroix, and he goes home to stay with his mother and then comes back and then goes home again for Christmas. And while he's in Ireland for Christmas, he's at an AA meeting and a woman comes in who's like model hot and he assumes is like at the AA meeting because she's a cocaine addict and, like, isn't really, doesn't even really care about AA, but just wants to, like, to be able to tell people. Or her rich husband made her come so that he could pretend that he was taking care of her problem. And he tells his story about how he used to hurt all these women because he wanted to. And she comes up to him afterwards and says, like, I have a friend who did the, who is still doing the exact same thing to men. Um, and her name is Ashling, and like, stay away from her, completely with no context. And he, like, goes back to um, St. Paul and ends up in New York on a business trip and bumps into this woman who's a photographer. He's, as we said, he's an advertising dude. And her name is Ashling, and she's from a town. She's from Dublin, but she has family who lives in the town that he grew up in. And his, her uncle was good friends with this douchebag's father. So he, like, decides to go out for dinner with her just as, like, a nice, cool thing to do. Because he's still sworn off women. He's still not sleeping with women. Plus, this girl is, like, so young. Like, she's super hot and young, so he definitely, like, does not want to fuck her. Until, I can't remember what it is. She says something specifically over dinner. And then he's like, then I wanted to fuck her, and I knew it. And they, like, go on one of those, like, really super long dates from, like, rom-coms, except grosser. Mm-hmm. We're just, like, you know, they're at a place for dinner, and they pay the bill, and then they go to a bar, and they go to another bar, and they go to a coffee shop, and they just don't want the night to end. So she comes back to his hotel room, and he's still, like, he's like, I don't even know how old she is. Like, for a minute, I'm concerned that she's, like... 16 and I'm gonna get in trouble but I do it anyway 
and they have sex. Or no, he eats her out for like hours. Oh yeah. Because he's afraid, he doesn't want to sully her by penetrating her. <sighs> and then they, they like go their separate ways and he goes back to St. Paul and he's like in love with her already. And ends up like visiting New York a couple times, like just as an excuse, like doing work for his ad company, but really as an excuse to see her. And then, like, spends Christmas in Ireland, and she's also in Ireland, and they hook up a few more times. But then she starts to get real hot and cold on him, and, like, cancels meals and stuff, and he recognizes that she's doing to him what he did to women, but he just cares so much about her that he can't stop going to her. (laughs) And he moves to New York to be with her, gets transferred at his job, but she doesn't want anything to do with him, except she still keeps going on these dates with him. And she'll do this thing where she'll say something very rude and insulting to him, and, like, someone else will jump up and take a picture of him? Yes. <laughs> or sometimes she'll do it. And this is 2006, so she doesn't have a smartphone. She has, like, a disposable camera that she'll, like, sometimes pop out, which is maybe the funniest part of this book. <laughs> It's dedication to the cause. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have a sidebar for a minute? Sure. Hey, men, there is not a dick on this planet that is important enough to change the way a woman acts or feels or sees herself or you. There's no way you can sully a woman by having sex with her. There's no way that you can make a woman better by having sex with her. There's no way that you can, like, change who a woman is by having sex with her because women are people. And they have their own lives, and I hate to break this to you, but, uh... This is shocking. (laughs) Right? Right? I'm really sorry. Um, but that's how that works. So, if you're gonna eat a girl out, you're already basically penetrating her with your tongue if you're doing it right. So... (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, or or a person. If you're eating anyone out, you know, I don't want to adhere to the gender binary. Um, hey, you've already done that thing. Please don't, like, pin it all on your dick, because we don't care about dicks. I don't know, Kale. I've read a lot of fan fiction about <laughs> having sex when someone cures their diseases. I mean, mm-hmm. I have also read a lot of fan fiction and have had sex with men, um, and I can tell you that having sex with men has in no way cured me of anything. Uh, it has, in fact, in some ways made me a worse person. So. <laughs> also, also, I think, I'm not positive, I think having sex... With men cures Alzheimer's. I think we. I have oh, heard that. We discovered that. We discovered that love slash old person sex in a nursing home can cure Alzheimer's. Okay, so it could have, she could have just been snuggled to cure though. I, I mean, Naked I would snuggle. say I would Naked say snuggle. there was there was some some grinding at the very least. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The sex was so mind blowing that it brought her mind back together. Exactly. It like created exactly. a like reverse big bang in her brain that brought everything back to cohesion. Uh, so you know, I guess maybe I have to mention my family I'll look into that in like forty years. <laughs> <laughs> the next time I'm gonna yeah. look for a day. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I really hate I really hate the mindset of the culture in general that created this book and is making this book a bestseller and perpetuating it that has decided 
that men get to decide what women uh, can be and want to be based on the sex that they have with them. (laughs) I would also like a quick sidebar. Uh, As a Midwesterner, I'm very, like, uh, what is it? Defensive of the Midwest often. Uh, I feel like people are very dismissive of it as a whole when, like, St. Paul, Minneapolis is, like, a huge fucking modern city. It's, like, a real fucking city. And this guy acts like it is a tumbleweed. And normally I'd be way more mad about this, but I'm honestly, like, good. I'm glad you don't like it there. Get the fuck out. I'm not going to waste any more time on your, like, lazy interpretation of what you think St. Paul is like, because I don't believe you've ever actually been there. Also, clearly, he didn't, like, try to... You know, you sort of get out of the world what you put into it, and since he's only putting uh, terror and fear and hurt into the world, that's what he gets out of it. But, you know, maybe, like, go out for yourself by yourself for the day, have a cup of coffee, go to a museum, see what the city's about. That's how you do cities. You don't buy a house and sit in it with your TV and your, you know, Victrola or whatever the fuck you have. <laughs> three pieces of furniture. Um, and one of them is a bathtub for masturbating into. <sighs> we'll get to that. <laughs> so, like, real quick, just to sum yeah, up. Yeah, I'm done with my yeah, sidebar. No, it's okay. Uh, because nothing happens in this book except <laughs> terrible things. We're making good time. Um, he, so... Ashling and random friends of hers keep taking weird pictures of him when he's sad because of things she's done to him. And he understands that she is doing this to hurt him, like he hurt women, but he can't stop it. But he's aware of it in a way that the women he hurt weren't. So he's also still better than them. He's still time. somewhat in control of what's happening because yes. he's allowing this car crash to happen. And basically she confirms that what she's doing is collecting photos to make a book of like their exploding relationship and he's like well you know I guess that's just what it is but I still care too much to to regret any of it and then he ends the book by telling the reader that like maybe this her book will come out first and you know his will just seem like a defense of what he did or an explanation of his side maybe he'll be able to sell his book and it'll come out first and no one will buy her book like but either way, like, he got his comeuppance for all the hurting of women, but did he? <laughs> well, and here's the thing is, throughout, he's like, don't worry, I got my comeuppance. You'll see, you'll see, I got my comeuppance. And then we introduce Ashling, and she's taking the photos, and she's invited him to her gallery opening. And so I was like, oh, the gallery opening is just going to be, like, embarrassing photos of him, and he'll be there, and everyone will, like, look at him, and it'll be real awkward. And I was like... That would be a pretty satisfying scene. <laughs> that doesn't happen. The gallery is just like other random art. It's just and one. It's one piece of art. It's oh, one giant that's photo. Right. And he's mad because it's very well done. And he's mad that she's actually talented. But yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, like because it was very clear that she was taking pictures of him when he was upset. And I was like, that's what it is. She's going to invite him over to all these pictures of him having his heart crushed. But no, it's just like a thing she's going to do maybe in the future. Yeah, which I guess to him is also maybe even more embarrassing, because, like, she didn't even care enough to put it in the gallery. She just, like, whatever. Because, like, I think the main thing that hurts him is honestly just that, like, she is not captivated by his dick or his impressive mental, like, whatever. But it really did not feel like a satisfying comeuppance to me. Not at all. And I can't, like, like, the way he writes, like, the final confrontation where he quote-unquote got his comeuppance is, like... 
really exaggerated. And, like, I feel like the whole thing probably took, like, 15 minutes, you know, if that all told. But, like, it's a whole, like, you know, 20 pages or whatever. And, like, really, like, like, you know, like, uh, Ashling has this, like, guy friend who, you know, comes up to him with, like, a, a camera lens and tries to pretend like he has a tiny dick and he can't see it through the lens or whatever. And, like, this is all written out, like, very exaggerated, very defensive, and very, like, oh, like, you know, I knew they were doing this thing to me, but I wasn't gonna let them, you know, run me off or whatever, so I was just, like, ha, 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 playing along with it. Like, oh, isn't this a funny tableau that we're creating? Um... And I get the impression, like, even from his defensive telling of it, like, like, other patrons in the bar did not give a shit. Like, if you've been in bars, especially bars in, like, Manhattan, nobody gives a shit about you. Like, nobody else is watching this play out and going, oh, that guy's gonna get it. Like, I'm gonna tweet about this, because Twitter barely exists in 2000. Right. <laughs> um, but, like, he, he plays himself like it's, like, the worst, most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to anyone, and, like, look at how strong he was, and look at how well he took this, and he didn't let them get under his skin, because he used these, you know, same ways to get under other people's skin, but, like, my literal Goodreads review of this book is local man cannot take half of what he gives, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, this thing happened to him once, and he is traumatized by it, and is like, oh my god, I can't believe a woman would do this thing to me, uh, I, an excellent person, uh, <laughs> so, like, the way he plays it off is very, like, sort of sensationalized and trying to get you to understand how hurt he was, but, um, like, at that point, you're just, like, good. Like, congratulations, you got maybe one one-hundredth of what you gave to someone else. You literally raped two people yeah. and tried to get a woman to kill herself for your own amusement. Like, a woman took some embarrassing pictures of you, and then a man told you you had a small dick in a bar. How sad for you. Life is really hard for... Like, look, I don't want to be too hard on people. I think we have to understand that life is really hard for men, and they have very fragile psyches. And it's just that we're not creating a world in in which they can cushion themselves against the harshness mm -hmm. of what it's like for everyone fucking else. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, we are just in this world where some lady can make, like, a fake rape accusation, and it just totally, like, ruins this presidential, uh, oh... No, no, wait, no, 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 that's, that's not. not. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, or men can be accused of like you know molesting children, and they'll totally get. Wait a minute. Oh. Mm. If I mean, <laughs> but they have to pay for drinks and bars, so yeah, it's, it's the worst. They definitely have to buy more dinners than we do. So, I mean, if you're gonna like take. Uh, the, the money for that chicken that I got at the Olive Garden out of, <laughs> out of my pound of flesh, that's fine. I guess I've got extra pounds to give you, but, like, <laughs> I just, like, the, the sort of pain economy of this book is boggling to me. Like, as a person who has been in, like, abusive relationships like this, like, I still don't understand, like, at least the people I was in abusive relationships with knew what they were, like, you know, knew what they were doing and understood like, it was very calculated. It was very much like, this is what I'm going to do. And when they got back, they knew that's what they had gotten back for. Like, they knew that they had, like, this was a calculated risk that they took. Like, oh, this might happen because I'm doing this. And this guy takes, like, he does no calculations. He has no time for, like, the imagination of anyone else. No one else has an internal life. 
it's just him and how, how like awesome he is and at, at hurting people. And there are two more of these, by the way. So congratulations, society, on, you know, making this a thing that we want to read. I want to read a quick quote from this. Well, we got, we got to the end of the book, right? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, it's yeah, that failed. Like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so there's this Publishers Weekly article about this book that we'll link to, but there's a quote from Anonymous, the author, and he says, It's a literary novel about an alcoholic misogynist that young women love. There's something that these readers enjoy about seeing the dark side of the male psyche. Like, have you ever read Crime and Punishment? Like, I don't... I haven't. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Go I on. I don't want to, like, you know... uh I read a lot of existentialist literature. <laughs> I'm very familiar with the quote-unquote dark side of the male psyche. Um, but also, this is a thing we've been dealing with since literally cave paintings. Like, there have always been dudes who have issues and take them out on other people. And the fact that we can call what barely hangs together as a memoir a quote-unquote literary novel proves that, like... The male psyche is not a thing that we are, you know, gasping for. It's not a thing we need more of. This was ushered through a door because of the privilege that he has as a male to do these things and hurt people and capitalize on it. Plus, there's a way to, if you really are interested in exploring the dark side of the male psyche, there's a way to write that and things that you can read that do not glorify it in the process. Like, to go back to the beginning of the podcast... When uh, K.L. was talking about Lolita, like, that is a novel where a man does a terrible thing, but the novel does not say, like, but, you know, like, he got in trouble later, so, like, it was cool that he, like, fucked this 12-year-old girl for three years. Yeah, like, like, the thing that, like, really bothers me about the misunderstanding of Lolita is that Navikov wanted him to come across as a terrible human being, and he does. And the way he says things in the novel, you know that what he is doing is Humbert Humbert is doing is wrong. I was going to say Humberting Humberting. But the way that book is written is written to look at something that is terrible. Exactly. And to say this is terrible. Like, isn't this terrible that people can do these things and get away with them? And this guy is like, oh, isn't it great that people can do these things and get away with them? And you'll pay for it? Oh my god. Like, you can read these terrible books about terrible men if that's your jam. It's not my jam, but I'm not saying it's not, it's not okay if you are interested in p- picking this apart. But there are other books that you can read that make it clear that these are terrible things, <laughs> as opposed to this, where it's like, oh yeah, explore the dark side of the male psyche, like, the right side, am I right, guys? Like, we all know that this is totally cool. Might I suggest anyone read anything that was written in Russia in the 19th century? <laughs> like, like, if you were to talk about men who are being pushed to do terrible things, or who have terrible things perpetrated on them... You know, like, uh, anything Dostoevsky has written, a lot of Tolstoy. Um, but, like, I just can't, like, a lot of, too, a lot of, like, John Paul Sartre's, like, essays and novels and things, um, deal with, uh, men coming to terms with the fact that, you know, sort of, uh, they're the only thing, and there's nothing greater in the world outside of them and how difficult that is, for better or worse. And, like... Yes, men who realize this sometimes do terrible things, but, like, that's the literal human condition, you guys. Women are also human. So, like, 
I mean, like, I, I feel like at this point I want more, and, like, maybe the listeners can, like, wreck some to me. I want more books that, like, visit the dark side of the female psyche mm-hmm. that, are, that don't end in them getting, like, married to Zeus or thrown in volcanoes. <laughs> like, Just, like, 1,000 <laughs> Gone Girls. Yes. Um, I oh, mean, shit. What if this guy got Gone Girled? Oh, fuck. I want to read that now. <laughs> Someone write fan fiction of this. <laughs> Where this guy is. Yuletide 2017. Girl. <laughs> Diary of an Anonymous Gone Girl crossover. <laughs> There's one more quote from this Publishers Weekly interview that I want to read. To draw the readers in another way, the author created a fake profile on a popular dating website. He declined to say which one, with photos of a beautiful woman. The profile directed potential suitors to read a book called Diary of an Oxygen Thief. I gave the impression that if they were to read this book, they might have more of an amorous chance of me, he said. The goal was to get people to plug the book's title into their web browsers. <laughs> Which, that's like not how you get a book, by the way. <laughs> so you just gaming Google. He's gaming the Google algorithm at that point, which, you know, works for, like, trending on Twitter and apparently also Apparently models. it works, because yeah, it's like... a legitimately best-selling book! Uh, you guys... Uh, I can't wait for the posters. I'm going to plaster all over uh, downtown Boston and, like, out in Brooklyn and New York for the gay cyberpunk novel that I'm writing. Yes. <laughs> I'll help you with this poster. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Everyone Google. Um, no. <laughs> I also, so, I tried to get this from the library, and I didn't think it would come in in time for the podcast because there, there were so many holds on it. Which is infuriating. Uh, so I bought it, and normally when I end up buying books for this podcast, I prefer to buy a used copy because, well, because it's cheaper, and often I don't feel like I don't want to like reward the author. So I'm like, I'll buy a <laughs> job. Yeah, I'm like, I'm gonna buy a used copy of this. The used copies of this on Amazon are more expensive than a new one. Like, I feel like this is, like, a haunted doll that people cannot get rid of. Like, what? I have no explanation for this. But I bought a new copy of this book, and I hate myself. <laughs> I did the same thing. And it's one of those things where, like, as a, as a person who um, is, is a, an author and who, like, has published things in poetry and stuff, like, like my whole thought on, like, book burning is, like, oh, whatever, you have to buy the book before you burn it. And now I'm just that person. <laughs> where I feel like I'm going to go, like, this book cost me $10 on Kindle. I'm going to make an extra, like, I'm going to give an extra $10 to Planned Parenthood. This yeah. it. It's, like, offsetting my carbon footprint. I have to yes. offset my footprint. Oh, my God. It's just, it's garbage. This entire book is garbage. It does not have a single redeeming quality. I, I, like, literally can't think of anything in this book that is at all redeeming. Like, there's no plot. The characters, including the main character, are caricatures of people. Like, they're sort of flat and one-sided. Um, there's no actual uh, examination of any of the pain he feels he has. It's basically just acting out. It's like, if you got a 15-year-old boy kicked off the football team, this is what he would write because he was angry about it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I have a lot of feelings about this. I was very angry the entire time I read this book. No, that's correct. (laughs) That is is an accurate response. Please lean into that. (laughs) Oh, yeah, and there's one more thing, is that this is both on the website, which, don't Google it, or 
you know, do it in, like, anonymous mode or whatever, so you don't, like... <laughs> Incognito. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, on the book's website and on the book's cover flap, Juno Diaz like this? Right? Oh, no. And I yeah, don't, Diaz, like... Why? Yeah. Like, what? Why? Like, what about this? Like, what about this is Juno Diaz? Fine, redeeming. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, sometimes his works are, I feel like he's more successful in, like, I'm analyzing misogyny and also, like, putting in, like, Latino culture as well, which this is not. This is, like, very... Also, the author is Dutch, which is surprising to me because I just feel like Dutch people... Wait, no, I think he's Irish. No, the, the narrator... Is Irish. Oh. I believe from that same Publishers Weekly article that he is Dutch. This was my problem with this book because it's touted as like sort of a memoir-esque thing by an anonymous person and like I could not find in any, like I did, you know, some Googling and like I want, because it's very different. I mean, it doesn't change how I feel about it. It's still a terrible book either way, but it's very different if it's a work of fiction uh, and I am reacting to a character than if it's a, like, you know, real person who's out in the world who we're, you know, like, we're sort of propping him up for being a terrible person. Also, I I apologize to the Dutch people. (laughs) This author is British, but was working in Amsterdam, and it was first published in the Netherlands. Okay, Okay, yeah, no, I, uh, yeah, because, like, my whole thing is that, like, I, and, like, okay, so this is an argument we have with, like, our real-life friends. Uh, I, like, shithead characters. And Listen, I, <laughs> I I'm right there with I'm, you. I'm leaning into liking <laughs> shitty people sometimes in fiction, but that's fiction, and the fiction that I read about those people being shitty human beings, do not let them off for being shitty human beings. They get their actual comeuppance. Uh, in one of the books, one of them literally dies. So like, you don't get to create a shitty, like a quote unquote problematic fave. And then be like, oh, right, but, like, he, like, you know, like, he was just a bro, he was just shitty, like, that's his whole thing. And I'm like, yes, I've known people like that in real life, uh, I no longer know them, that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> Alright, do we have anything else we want to say about the book? Terrible, it's terrible. <laughs> Please don't read uh, it. Yeah, like, do like, not. Okay, so your inclination, as my inclination would be, would be to be like... This book is terrible. I have to know. You don't. You really don't have to know. It's not well written. It's not well paced. There's no, like, sort of, like, follow through on the narrative promise. Whatever. Even, so when I saw this on the, like, bestseller display, I was like, I haven't even heard of this. Let me pick it up and flip through it. And went to, like, a random page, and it was so horrible that I immediately took a photo and talked to the Kate and was like, we gotta do this for the podcast. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But, like, you could... Probably do that, like pick it up in a bookstore to open to any random page, be like, oh my god, and then just like put it back. <laughs> put it back. You got it. Oh, as advertised. Good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, then let's move on to our dramatic readings and give you like a full slice of how awful they are. So, for our dramatic readings, because this is all diary format and there is some dialogue, I guess, like, reconstructed, but we're just each going to pick a fairly short segment and just each read it through without assigning parts like we often do. And Kate will be up first. All right. This is literally the beginning of the book. This is how the book starts. I liked hurting girls. Mentally, not physically. I never hit a girl in my life. Well, once. But that was a mistake. I'll tell you about it later. Later. 
The thing is, I got off on it. I really enjoyed it. It's like when you hear serial killers say they feel no regret, no remorse for all the people they killed. I was like that. Loved it. I didn't care how long it took either because I was in no hurry. I'd wait until they were totally in love with me, till the big saucer eyes were looking at me. I loved the shock on their faces, then the glaze as they tried to hide how much I was hurting them. And it was legal. I think I killed a few of them, their souls I mean. It was their souls I was after. I know I came close a couple times, but don't worry, I got my comeuppance. That's why I'm telling you this. Justice was done. Balance has been restored. The same thing happened to me, only worse. Worse because it happened to me. I feel purged now, you see, cleansed. I've been punished, so it's okay to talk about it all. At least that's how it seems to me. I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Great. It's literally not interesting enough to keep reading. I fucking forgot that he said, oh, I got my comeuppance, but worse. Yeah. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm up next. All right. This is just more of this fucking guy. <laughs> Catherine had just broken up with her live-in boyfriend and had a young son. I hope to excel myself here. She'd had some problems. Emotional problems. Attempted suicide was touched upon. My ears perked up. I heard, kill me. If I hurt this woman enough, I could nudge her over the edge into suicide. I'd be helping her do what she really wanted, and it'd be a good test of my powers. It thrilled me to think I could cause a death by proxy. But she proved too strong or stupid or both or something. From her, though, I learned the technique that would later save my own life. I hate to be so dramatic, but that, I believe, is how high the stakes were. The pain involved in a premeditated broken heart would easily compare with a case of assault, and yet no court of law would recognize it as a crime. A broken arm heals. She quickly fell for me, and I was in a hurry to get to the good bit. Once I knew she was in, I began the water torture. I became less available until I banished her to the wintriest regions of my absence. I waited to hear that she had done away with herself, how handsome I imagined myself at her funeral. Or even better, to be burying my dick in someone else as she was being buried in the ground. I can't tell you how insulted I was when she called and cheerily asked how I was. I couldn't believe it. She was supposed to be in a wheelchair, crippled with grief, wearing dark, impenetrable glasses and clutching a shiny lock of my flaxen mane before cynically abandoning her life. No. She continued to call and inquire after my well-being, which only increased my ill-being. It was the way to win. I had to hand it to her. I couldn't quite accept her nonchalance, but there it was. In retrospect, I think she just wanted to show how well she was taking it. Otherwise, why call? Indeed, you may ask, why write it all down? Who cares? Doesn't everyone have brown water like this gushing under their bridges? Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Haven't we all had a hand in ending someone else's life? <laughs> anyway, well into my second year there, my fourth year off the booze, I was still refusing to get involved with any female. 
My favorite masturbation technique was to take a nice hot bath, soap up my baldy lad well and truly, and then give him a good old beating. At one stage, I was going to write a screenplay all about my right hand. A love story. There would have been scenes where I let my hand brush against my thigh as a precursor to hitting on myself. I'd blush, and another my right hand would get jealous of my left. Many's the evening I rushed home to make passionate love to myself, storing away the beautiful asses of the secretaries during the day. I'd mentally combine them into one composite perfectitude of buttockness. It worked. As you can see from the previous pages, it didn't have any perverse effect on my mental or spiritual state. If anything, another room full of McDonald's patrons was spared the inconvenience of drawing on their medical insurance. Also, I was saved the heartache of having to spend 14 years married to some woman of Swedish extraction who would need to be paid by my company to marry me in the first place. Imagine all those eye sculptures in the driveway every Christmas. I'm shuddering here, and it's August. Suffice it to say, much masturbation took place during the Minnesotan period. You know, anyone reading this, you would be forgiven for thinking, what's wrong with this guy? What's his problem? He lands a cool job in the States, and all he's done since the beginning of this is whine. Let me just say this. I'm whining in retrospect. At the time, I never whined. Not once. I was the picture of humility and gratitude. Also, I feel like I should break in and say that, like, the bit about the McDonald's patrons... At one point, he, like, goes into detail about how he would shoot up a room of people and, like, how, like, this thought, like, sort of stays his hand a lot of time. And I'm like, you are the literal worst human being I've ever heard about. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you know, uh, thinking about how I'd kill a room full of people, as one does. You know, we've all had mm-hmm, bad days mm-hmm. on the train, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> also... So I think we talked, maybe it didn't even make it on the podcast, about how he calls himself an unreliable narrator. And it's like, there's a difference in being an unreliable narrator and an asshole. And I think he's just an asshole. (laughs) But when he says he's only whining in retrospect and he never whined at the time, that I think is unreliable. Yes. Can I, okay, can you bring up the the notes so I can just like, (laughs) because like, like the thing about it is that like, I'm just going to read what I wrote in the notes because I'm never going to remember this. Uh, this book is offensive on purpose. The narrator the narrator is in no way unreliable. He's actually incredibly reliably disgusting and overconfessional in a way that borders on gaslighting. Mm-hmm. He frequently refers to the reader to tell them what they want to try to make the predicament sympathetic, even though he says he doesn't care if he thinks the hurts that were wrought on him were in his behavior. Yet his whole thesis is hurt people hurt people, which is bullshit. And sometimes, and to sometimes blame them for the success or failure of this book. This is textbook abuser behavior. Um, and also skipping down, I know this sounds like I don't understand what the point of an unreliable narrator is to develop a different worldview in the text than the one that's pervasive, and that's the problem with this. This disgusting, abusive, broken worldview is the pervasive worldview for a large number of people. This book gives a voice to something pernicious that gets real-life people actually hurt and killed every day. The popularity of this book, the way it seems to be written off as a rich interior life for an unreliable point of view, is literally dangerous, and like... Oh, it's just fiction. Calm down. No, my friend, I will not calm down. I will not calm down because this is put forward as real life. Because we're supposed to believe this man is out there and that we're the ones sustaining him. And ugh, I hate it. (laughs) I hate it so much, you guys. I can't. Oh, I keep, like, gripping my face as we're recording this. Like, I'm just like, why? Why is this happening? (laughs) Agreed. Just agreed. All right. Should we play some Would You Rather? Let's Can do we? It. Would you rather go on a date with this book's narrator or read another volume of the Oxygen Thief Diaries? This is rough. Um, I think 
and hear me out, I think I would rather go on a date with him mm-hmm. because, A, that would probably be shorter than reading this mm-hmm. book because, B, two seconds into the date when he started trying to pull his bullshit, I would punch him in the face <laughs> and steal his wallet and leave. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I would also rather go on a date for him. I was just thinking the literal same thing. I'm like, oh, it took like six hours to read this book and a date would last like 30 minutes tops because like I feel like I'm not the target audience for this man. I feel like he would take one look at me and be like, ugh, fat nerd, I don't need it. Um, Also, like, you know, my hair and my body, so that's weird for him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But also like, like, I feel like I would get like some sort of weird... I don't want to say pleasure, but, like, a certain amount of schadenfreude of him having to deal with, like, a woman who is not a, a sort of, like, eating into his bullshit. Mostly because at this point in my life, I'm just over men's bullshit, so sorry, men. <laughs> Same. Yes, I think I would go on the date as well, and I definitely feel like there would be something to this man of him to be like, oh, like... This, like, fat 30-year-old who doesn't look like the Virgin Mary, like, she'll be obsessed with me. And for me to be like, what? Bye. Like, I feel like that would be so cruel to him. In her defense, the Virgin Mary was from the Middle East, so none of us look like her, Mm. uh, regardless of what the Virgin Mary looked like. Mm. I mean, none of us, no. Uh, (laughs) Except for him, because he's special and he has insider knowledge. Right. (laughs) Also, the Virgin Mary was, like, 16, if not younger, when she was being the Virgin Mary. So his whole thing where he's like, oh, it's like the Virgin Mary, but younger, is like, no, actually older. I keep thinking about, like, there's a, um, so, like, I was in a car club for a long time, and there was an online forum, as there is for everything, and one of the, like, pervasive, like, jokes of, like, you know, like, like, sort of, like, uh, shorthand for... I know this is horrible and I would never act on it, but this is the thing I'm going to say because it's funny, was uh, if there's grass on the field, play ball. <laughs> so, you know, uh, some girls hit puberty at 12 or 13, so clearly that's fine, uh, I guess, if you're a dude. <laughs> well, that seems like a good time to ask, would you rather punch this book's narrator in the face or push him down the stairs? <laughs> Uh, push it on the stairs. Be a long staircase. Very, there'd be a lot of stairs. And although I would miss that visceral, like, feeling his face collapse under my fist, um, I think he would get much more injured on the stair fall and might even die. And I'm not strong enough to punch him to death. <laughs> like, I feel like you're, like, you have a much more egalitarian view of pushing this man down the stairs than I do, because my immediate thought was, um... I might hurt my hand if I hit his hard head. <laughs> Same. So that was my first thought. I was like, I don't want to hurt my hand. I know. Like, like I don't want to ex- like exert any more effort onto his existence than I clearly already have. <laughs> All right. Last up, would you rather set this book's narrator up on a date with Christian Grey or feed this book's narrator to the Vulture, a.k.a. the Vampire Police from Twilight? Alright, I thought about this a lot. (laughs) I would very easily feed him to the Voltori. One, although um, I would love to see him and Christian Grey together because as much as people like shit all over Christian Grey, and yes, he does have some tendencies to do creepy things, like consent is his number one 
and making sure the women that he dates are okay with everything that happens. Like, that is his constant mantra in that first book, at least. So having him, him seeing this guy, like, I kind of think he would become a serial killer in order to, like, take him out. But I also don't want to bother him with his bullshit. So I'm just going to Google and have them eat him. Can you imagine the slideshow that Christian Grey would bring out and be like, no, no, look, this is how you treat a lady. (laughs) (laughs) Consent is very important. First and foremost, everyone has to say yes to everything that you're doing. And you clearly have forgotten what that word means. Um, Like, I feel like I'd feed him to the Volturi. I don't know, um, you know, like what sort of blood diseases he might have. Because clearly he was having sex with a lot of people. Uh, I'm going to reverse slut shame this man. (laughs) Um, But like... Uh, I don't, like, they're vampires, right? They could, they could get through whatever, whatever he had, whatever. Yeah, I don't think vampires can get sick from human blood. And, like, he's, you know, like, he's not gonna taste good, but that's not really the point of feeding him to the Volturi, to be honest. I don't think the Volturi are concerned about what he tastes like, so. Plus, because it's the Volturi, we know they're not gonna change him into a vampire, they're just gonna eat him. Yeah. They don't like that. Oh, you don't give him to a Cullen. No. Like, they're like the. Forever, though. They're, they're like a, like a, like a, you know, sort of puppy adoption like firm except for with people who are vampires Ugh. yeah uh same feed him to the Volturi <laughs> although uh you know that might be another like yuletide request is this crossover <laughs> with Fifty Shades of Grey if you can't do Gone Girl <laughs> <laughs> what other things can we <laughs> who can we have teach this man a lesson <laughs> like this is- beginning of crime and punishment doesn't he kill a dude with an axe like make him that dude (laughs) (laughs) all right this seems like a great time to move on to reader's advisory number one our gone girl crossover fan fiction (laughs) (laughs) number two gone girl i guess (laughs) um so i looked at this from the point of view of these are absolutely books that you should read instead of this garbage book uh, so just a couple of mine were Bad Feminist by Roxanne, Gray, uh, Roxanne Gay and um, Feminism is for Everyone by Bell Hooks. And yeah, definitely read those instead of reading this. Don't read this. Don't read this. <laughs> I went at it from the point of view of um, if you are going to do this to yourself and I don't know why you hate yourself, I love you. I think you should not do this to yourself. <laughs> I would treat you much better than that. Um, like, if you're going to do this to yourself, though, what will you need to sort of heal afterwards? And the two things I came up with were uh, Speak by Lori Hal Anderson, which is a um, YA book about a girl. It's, like, from her, and I think it's first person, yeah. uh, like this is, but from her point of view of um, the beginning of the book, she's raped at a party, and then just her having to deal with it and, like, learning to get her voice back um, and how to overcome the bullshit that men perpetrate mm. people. Um, but also a book called The Body Keeps the Score, uh, which is a nonfiction um, sort of like medical look at PTSD and trauma and what happens in your body and how you sort of carry these things with you even though you don't know that you're doing it and how to tell when it's happening so that maybe you don't become this man. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> All right. If you really want to read a like for this, I'm going to say Fight Club by Chuck Palahniuk. 
seems like how you should say that name. Polinick. Polinick? He, this is like so weird. I read a lot of his books um, when I was a kid, and I guess his grandparents, he had a grandparent. It, he, it was a whole thing where like it's, it's Paula and Nick, the two names together. Oh. Is how he said it. So it's not his real last name? No, I think it is. Oh. But that's how they've taught him to say oh, it. Someone else fabricated it. Oh, I see. Yes. I see. Okay. So I feel like Fight Club is sort of that, like, kind of garbagey narrator, but it's an actual satire, and it's just better than this. Like, I haven't actually read it in a long time, and I, I'm i sure it's hashtag problematic, <laughs> but I do think it is certainly a much more successful book and also movie. God, please never make this a movie. I feel like it's a more successful work than this, but it is that sort of, like, get a gritty look inside a man's head. Man, I feel like it's a that. (laughs) And uh, this does compare itself to Catcher in the Rye, which, again, I don't love, but is way better than this. I mean, I guess if you're going to read Catcher in the Rye, you should maybe read Perks of Being a Wallflower and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's the same sort of, like, well, they're not, they're not the same sort of narrator, because the Holden Caulfield is, like, very much, like, very acerbic. Yeah, he's, um, like, a dick. And the, yeah. what's his name, Charlie? Or is Charlie the friend? Oh, I don't remember. It's been a long time. But, like, the, the, the perks of welfare, yeah. he's, like, a sweet kid. Yeah, but it's, like, the sort of, like, internal look at, like, what's happening in their head and what they're going through. Yeah. Anyway, that's what I recommend for dirtbags. <laughs> um, my, my book that I'll recommend as, like, Feminist advice is Tiny Beautiful Things by Cheryl Strayed, which is a collection of her Dear Sugar uh, advice columns. And she is really, like, she gets a lot of letters from people who, maybe none of them are as fucked up as the narrator of this book, but from, like, some really fucked up, like, fucked up people. And she gives, like, very empathetic and kind advice and just, like, hears them out. And I feel like maybe this guy should write a letter to Dear Sugar. Except don't waste her time. Just go die in a letter. (laughs) All right. Um, we'll have all of these and some other ones on our website, worstbestsellers.com. And now we'll move on to our candy pairing, where we suggest a candy to go along with this book. Mine is chewed up gum stuck to the floor of a bar. <laughs> uh, mine is salt licorice, because I was sent some by a friend in Scandinavia and was not warned that it was salty and thought it was just candy. Uh, so when I put it in my mouth, the face that I made is very much the face that I made while reading this book. Ugh. Uh, and mine is an expired Yorkie bar covered in mold. Uh, if you may remember, Yorkie bar is that candy bar from Nestle that is not for women. It is for men only. Oh, like Dr. Pepper 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Great. Those all sound disgusting, just like this book. And now it is the time for the Rock Paper Snicked, where Kate will say who Dwayne the Rock Johnson would be if he were in this book, and I'll say who Wolverine would be if he were in this book, and KL will choose which would most enhance the book, or choose Snicked, which, or, I'm sorry. <laughs> Guys! <laughs> choose Paper, which is leave the book as is. Okay, um, so a thing that we did not necessarily talk about uh, is that he does eventually talk about the one time he hit a girl, and it was kind of an accident. He was at a very crowded club, a girl pushed past him, and he turned around and kind of reflexively punched him, punched her in the face, 
and then felt very bad about it. Like he did not mean to hit her. So he went outside to wait for men to beat him up because that's what happens when you hit girls. And he knew he deserved it. So uh, if The Rock were in this book, he would be out having a good time at the club where the narrator accidentally punched the girl uh, that time. And when he sees it happen, he would join the group of dudes beating the crap out of him. And because he's so strong, The Rock would accidentally punch him so hard that he ends up in a coma. And when he wakes up from the coma, he has amnesia. And as a blank slate, when he's told he's in the hospital because he got into a fight after punching a girl, he's horrified and dedicates the rest of his life to charity. (laughs) (laughs) Well... I think Wolverine would, like, pick this book up, maybe, like, at an airport bookstore, flip it open, read one page, go hunt down Anonymous, and just fucking stab him to death. (laughs) Okay, so I feel like, um, outside of leaving this book as paper and then just burning it, which is, we already (laughs) stated, means you have to buy it first, which is problematic, um, I'm gonna go with Kate's, because Mm -hmm. I would actually really enjoy the actual redemption story that this would become, mm-hmm. as opposed to the fake redemption story in which we were given. Alright. I agree. I would... That's another fan fiction you could write. Yeah. I guess. Alright. Uh, what do you think the moral of the story is? I would say the moral of the story is ban men. Yeah, we should definitely ban men. Yeah, I thought about it really hard, and I just really think that the moral of the story is... Ban men? <laughs> just just a thought. That a thought from us. <laughs> Alright. Uh, now it's time for a Duarte's Corner, where my cat Duarte, who is technically a man, but like a male cat who's been neutered, so he's just doing fine. And <laughs> well, you've got him. <laughs> <laughs> so, Duarte, what did you think about Diary of an Accident Thief? I mean, he's actually got a lot to say. He's been chatting throughout this whole episode, but. Yeah, Dorje, you're right. I would love it if there was a scene in this book where he just got attacked by cats. I mean, like, maybe outside a bar in an alley. There's usually some cats there. And I totally am in favor of you using the cat communication network to have someone hunt down the actual anonymous so that then a tidal wave of cats can attack him and murder him. <laughs> like that, I support you. Tell me, link me to your GoFundMe, and I will absolutely donate. Oh, you know what I want to is that, like, after this tsunami of cats attacks him, I want it to be recreated, like, Hokusai's The Wave. So you just get an image of, like, a, like, barrage of cats gracefully arcing over the landscape, <laughs> and then, like, a scream-esque man in the bottom corner. He's like, oh! <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> oh, so good. All right. Do any humans have any closing thoughts beyond fucking do not read this book? I don't know how much more clearly we can say this. It's just, it's garbage. It is garbage. Don't be tempted. Don't, like, like, there's, I mean, like, we fucking read Fifty Shades of Grey. We read these books that are popular in the media. And, like, if someone listened to our episode on Fifty Shades and was like, I actually am tempted to read it now. Like, go for it. You do you. Do not read this. (laughs) Do not read it. 
Might I suggest that if you want garbage instead, you should watch Riverdale on the CW, <laughs> which includes a scene of a woman in red sunglasses uh, drinking suggestively out of a cup after having sex with a man who's much younger than her. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, all right. Well, if you want more Worst Bus Sellers, you can like us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter, where we're Worst Bus Seller with no S, because... Like, we were just trying to be anonymous, so we, we changed it slightly. Uh, you can join our Goodreads group. Uh, you can find links to all that stuff from our website, worstbestsellers.com. You can also subscribe to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Google Play. If you do subscribe to us, please take a moment to rate and review us. When you rate and review us, it pops us up a little bit in the charts and makes it a little easier for people to find us. If you don't rate and review us, we might actually force you to spend time with the author of this book, and no. you don't want that. Oh, no. We wouldn't. You can also support us on Patreon, our patreon.com slash worstbestsellers, where you can pledge a small monthly recurring donation uh, that goes to us to help make the podcast better. We can buy new equipment, do things like commission our brand new logo, which you should go to our website and check out. So cool. Um, By the way, I feel like we keep saying we're going to buy new equipment, and for this episode, I fucked up plugging in the microphone, (laughs) and we realized it halfway through, and I do not know how it's going to sound, so I just want to say I'm sorry, Patreon, it's not your fault, it's my fault. (laughs) And uh, speaking of Patreon, uh, we have a couple shout-outs from some of our uh, patrons over there. Jill... Thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to us and to pledge us your support. Um, this this is actually from Duarte, but I'm passing it on. Uh, Rachel's cats, Carol and Chessie, have donated their money to Catreon or Catreon. Like, see, if they pronounce it to rhyme with Patreon, then you lose the cat pun. <laughs> it's hard doing a podcast. <laughs> anyway... They've pledged to support uh, Duarte's Corner, which Duarte so appreciates, as do we. Uh, So, also, this is the last time I'm going to be on for a little while. Uh, I'm taking the summer off. As those of you who follow me on Twitter and Tumblr might have realized, uh, Dave Malloy, the composer of Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812, is going to be stepping back into the role of Pierre for a couple of shows this summer. And uh, I already have my tickets, but I'm so pumped. I think I'm just going to, like, wait outside the theater until it's time to go see it. So, uh, you know, I I just, I had to make some room in my schedule to do that. And unfortunately, that means uh, skipping out on the podcast for a little while. I hope you guys understand. In my absence, Becca's going to step in and do me a solid and uh, take over co-hosting duties for a little while. Yeah. Yeah, you might remember this happened last summer, except it was me. And... I used that time to move to Boston, and I live here now. (laughs) Everyone should move to Boston. (laughs) Uh, But the podcast is just fine without me, because Becca's really good at co-hosting the podcast, so we'll be be just fine while Kate's on her Great Comet adventure, and she'll be back. Uh, Wait and see. In the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at 14across. You can follow me on Twitter at Renata Snacks. And you can follow me on Twitter as Mombi, M-O-M-E-B-I-E. Do you want to say your website or anything? 
Oh, right. awesome. Right, your stuff? Stop. Say your stuff. You know, you know uh, I do stuff. Um, <laughs> I um, I do collages and I write. Um, um, so you can follow my WordPress uh, and I have a Twitter for writing and both of them are Lara Egner, L-A-R-A-E-C-K-E-N-E-R. Uh, feel free to judge me for any statements I have made on this podcast, <laughs> which do not reflect the things that I've written. <laughs> but mostly I write about... Uh, queer ladies who are in love with trees so it's not really relevant (laughs) (laughs) fantastic and we'll link to those as well so you can just click the link from our website oh also we got distracted and i forgot to say that when we're when i'm back in two weeks with becca we're returning to flashback summer and the first book we'll be reading is double love by francine pascal which is the very first sweet valley high book so give palm for that (laughs) Bye. 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 Bye.